up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For those of you that are just joining us, we're going through the chapter uh, on love that Paul so famously speaks about, just line at a time, word at a time. We're going to be tackling another word. Uh, This is a, a vision of the heart of the gospel, a vision of God's plan for humanity. It all boils down to love. And love is all over the Bible, but in this particular chapter, and some of you know it, uh, many of you perhaps know it, Paul starts to give a vivid description of what it is like and what it is not like. Uh, and so we're kind of slowing down, as is our, our uh, standard uh, process with a lot of things, and just reading this and asking the Lord to create this in us by the power of His Spirit. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, turn there, and I'll start by praying. We'll read the text, and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we just want to ask together in your presence uh, that you would make us so loving that people that don't know you, that don't go to a church, that aren't uh, believers in that sense of the word, would want to know more about you, would want to know you personally because of the love of your church. We know that is, a, that is really a daunting thing, that is a supernatural thing, and so we're coming to you again asking for power, for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to, to flow through every nook and cranny and channel and cavern of this church, every soul tired, energetic, in crisis, needing healing, whatever it is, and we pray ultimately for love. We pray for more love, not the world that the, uh, not the, the word love that the world dis- res- prescribes or describes, but that which is found in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would make us more like your son. Get us past moralism and mere legalism and checklists and bring us into the heart of God. So that as Paul prayed, so, so it would be answered of us one day, even now, Lord, that we would know the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled with the fullness of God, and may the fullness of God overflow out of our hearts into every channel in front of us, from here to the ends of the earth, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through the very first part of 5. I'll just read it all right now. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body even to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. We'll stop right there. This is God's word. Some time ago, I had this kind of a revelatory epiphany uh, that took place over a few interactions that I had with a, a particular person many years ago. Uh, when I, was, I first met this guy in the church, he's not here anymore, uh, he moved, but I remember trying to talk to him and he was a little standoffish. Um, he was very quiet 
And because of the way that he interacted with me, I just kind of thought that he hated me, you know? Like, I would talk to him, he wouldn't say anything back, he kind of looked the other way, he wouldn't make eye contact, uh, uh, it was very difficult to hold a conversation. Anytime he was in the room, I would try to engage him, but he would kind of walk the other way. And I just kind of left that first uh, experience, that first encounter with this guy, thinking that he just completely hated my guts. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry for offending your life. You know, like all of that stuff. I took it personally. I went into a cave, uh, cried a little bit. And then I, I remember sometime later, uh, we ended up, this guy and I, doing the same we, uh, we had like a common task, and as we were talking about something that we both had in common, he could just kind of lit up, and then just started talking forever, and like he was looking at me, and he was engaged, and I realized, oh, he's, he's actually a pretty engaging person. I like this guy. Like, I, I could get along with him. We should talk more, and then that, uh, that kind of got my mind spinning. I was like, so he didn't really hate me. I realized in retrospect, he was just quiet and shy, you know? And I had interpreted some of the, the, the things that he was doing in the wrong way um, and realized, gosh, I, I shouldn't have judged him in that way. He's actually a pretty good guy, and I, I think he likes me. Uh, I'm not going to ask, but I'm just going to assume. Um, but then that made me realize an even deeper, more probing thing. Uh, I'm quiet and introverted and, and sometimes shy. And I began to replay film reels of my personal history, wondering how many times have I, have I done that to other people? I wonder if anybody thinks that I hate them. Uh, because I'm like, on a scale, I'm like 10 times quieter than that guy was. And I began to uh, go through scenarios and, and start to actually think like, wow, yeah, I can, I can really see how that person thinks I just don't like them. And that uh, just just spun me on a journey. The tr- the, and the truth is, it was so difficult, is I, I love people, you know? I really love people. Um, but started to wonder if uh, there were unexplained social cues I was sending to people that was causing them to think that I wasn't for them, that I didn't like them, that they were a nuisance. Uh, the truth is, uh, I'm quiet because that's how God made me, not because I don't like people. Uh, I need times to recharge, you know, just classic introverted stuff. But when I'm with people, I I love being around them. Um, So I I embarked on a little experiment. This was some time ago. I decided I would be crazy, wild, super engaging, almost almost erring on the side of annoying. I would burst into rooms with like a, just the biggest smile I could could imagine. It was very painful for me. Just like, hey, you know, I would reach out to people before they would speak to me. This is also very foreign. Hey, how you doing? What are you about? Where do you live? What do you do? What are you passionate about? How do you, what, 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 I don't even know what to ask. I would just start jabber-jawing. And I would just like get in their face. I would make eye contact, also very strange for me at the time. I would make eye contact. I would like touch, like handshake things. Like, like, hey. And I would just do all of that stuff that I saw people like that do. And I felt very weird and very awkward. And I was like, this is going to, this is going to chase everybody away, but it didn't. They were like, oh, Chris is nice, you know? <laughs> that, that pastor of that church, like, he's actually nice. Like, he's not mean. And I'd be like, yeah, no, that's what I've been trying. Like, I am. I'm a nice guy. I like people. 
But then I began to communicate that in a way that other people could receive and understand, uh, not in a self-referenced way. I began to speak other people's language. I didn't stop being an introverted. I, I, always, I have this special cave in my house that I go to when I need to recharge. But when I'm with people, I begin to learn some of those social cues. Um, but it was very interesting to me what it was like uh, to be on the other side of Chris Lazo. Uh, I might not be alone in this. Maybe you've encountered this in your own history. Uh, maybe you're an extrovert and you're like, whatever, I don't even struggle with this. That's weird. You're weird. You're strange. You're weird. But maybe in your, own, uh, in your own right, perhaps you've realized unintentionally that you hurt somebody and it's blowing your mind. Like, really? Oh, I didn't even know that. Maybe you're completely unaware that you're hurting people in your life. And if you were to find out, you'd be like crushed over it. Uh, I love church signs and I found this one. This is nowhere near where we live. This is like on the other side of the country. I don't know if we have a picture of it. Okay, I love this. It says what I think most Christians would want to say, we love hurting people, okay? Now, there are two ways that you could interpret that, depending on whether hurting is, uh, is an adjective of people, I love people who are hurting, or whether it is a verb, I love to hurt people, and that's why they're hurting. <laughs> so there's com- two different ways to read this. I'm pretty sure this church, which you have no idea who they are, probably meant the former, but isn't this interesting? We can sometimes have the best intentions. We might even want to bless people. We might want to love hurting people and be completely unaware that we're, we're actually the ones hurting them. Um, perhaps people, maybe you were unaware, maybe you're in a different stage, maybe people start, are starting to comment uh, on your personality, things that you've done or said, in an undesirable uh, kind of, of shade. Maybe it's causing you to react to that. Maybe you're getting defensive because you're like me. You're like, I'm the nicest, I'm the pastor, you know, I'm the pastor. Of course I'm nice. <laughs> Maybe you're getting like a little defensive like I was and you're, you're saying you, you heard about somebody getting hurt and you're like, oh, they're just overreacting. Emotional, you know, no room for emotions in Christianity, so stop that. Meanwhile, there's a line building. I'm just kidding about that, that last thing I said. Messy church, go watch it. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a line building of people, maybe, who have, have just been rubbed the wrong way. You're like, oh, you said this thing, you did this thing. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. Uh, at what point do you and I say, gosh, this isn't other people, this is me. I have some rough edges or something uh, that is, is hurting people or at least rubbing them the wrong way exacerbating that difficulty, that, you know, relationships can be messy. We can hurt people very easily, easier than we sometimes think. Exacerbating that difficulty is how our culture sometimes permits things like rudeness and rough edges. As long as it achieves something like the bottom line, uh, 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 happy shareholders, Uh, a goal or something at the end. We can be rude as long as it's for a better purpose. Uh, I think of things like business. I think of things like uh, goals. I think of things like politics. It's okay, whatever you're saying, as long as it gets what you need done, done. Um, There's also a little bit of acceptance sometimes among Christians with things like rudeness. There's this book by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins where he outlines like a, a dozen sins that Christians generally think are okay. Like, 
I, I know that God says in Proverbs that pride is an abomination, but it's not murder, so it's cool. I would never murder anybody, but pride, yeah, everybody, it's who I am, you know, it's who I am. Perhaps we say stuff like that. You know, I'm just speaking the truth. It's not my fault that so-and-so got hurt. I'm just speaking the truth. We forget about the in love part. We don't even, maybe even don't even know what that means to speak the truth in love, as Paul says. Maybe we say stuff like, oh, I just say what's on my mind. That's just how I'm wired. And if you don't like it, well, you could go somewhere else. Or maybe you're just like, I'm right. End of story. Like, I factually say things that are always right. So you should just know that, okay? Like, get in line with what I'm saying. Who cares if you're, you know, you're soft on the inside, you little snowflake. Like, I, I speak the truth. <laughs> Nothing else matters. And all of that is bottom line thinking, right? That's bottom line thinking. That's not God's way of thinking. God has a tendency of disrupting the way we sometimes think. That's the... That's part of the journey of following Jesus is he disrupts so much of the, the stuff we carry that we think is normal but is only what the world does that's actually destructive. And we see this right in that last line that we read in 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, uh, actually the first three verses that set the pace for this whole chapter, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's what he's saying about your accurate truth-telling. You're just a gong. And he, he keeps going on. It doesn't matter if you have prophetic powers. You know all the right answers. It doesn't matter if you have great faith and move mountains. It doesn't matter if you are so generous. You're like the best benefit, like a, a, a philanthropist of Santa Barbara. If you don't have love, you have nothing. And in his descriptions, his facets of love, he starts to give us some, some tangible uh, things to, to, to bite into. For example, love is not rude. I want you to put those two things together. The, the place that Paul started, if you don't have love, you have nothing, and love is not rude. Let's just simplify the equation there. If you live by rudeness, you have nothing. You've missed entirely the point. Um, when Paul says here, love is not rude, you know, the word that he's using is somewhat broad and general. It means what is not according to proper form, what is improper behavior. Uh, this has to do a lot with social cues, what, what it's like to be on the other side of you to other people. The only other time that this word pops up is in a, a kind of a strange passage that I wish we had more time to unpack, uh, but in 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 7, verse 36, where Paul is addressing singleness and marriage, and he's speaking about a person who wants to be celibate, uh, but who's just like burning in his passion to like uh, uh, to get frisky, basically. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 36, he says, if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly, there's that same word that he uses when he says love is not rude. It's basically improper, improper behavior. And will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry as he wishes it is not a sin. So notice here, don't have time to unpack that, but basically, uh, well, I'm going to unpack it anyway, but in that day, uh, women in that culture were very dependent uh, on things like marriage based on the customs uh, and some of the cultural norms. Uh, something like marriage was not just a romantic thing, it was also a, it was also a power base, so if you were married as a woman in that culture, 
Uh, there were certain privileges and certain securities that you got through being married to that guy. If you were unmarried, if you were divorced, you lost those things, and it, it, it caused you to be very vulnerable. So that, does, that doesn't just mean marriage. It also means uh, 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 sleeping together, losing your virginity uh, for, for the woman in this case. And so Paul is speaking to this guy uh, who's got nothing to lose, and he's saying, hey, don't fool around. Like, take this seriously. Uh, if you're, if you're going to go this route and treat uh, her improperly, uh, don't do that. Uh, marry her and give her, you know, the security that this culture uh, allots in marriage. In other words, don't be a punk. Don't be a jerk, right? Don't be rude. Don't act in such a way that it's going to uh, be disgraceful to the person on the other side of you, dishonorable to them, indecent, improper. Notice that this, is so, this has to do with the other person. It's not, well, I don't consider this what I'm doing, you know, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, to be wrong for me. It's not dishonoring to me. It's not inconvenient to me. Paul is saying, hey, there's another person involved. There's another imp- a person involved. In other words, it really does matter how people receive and hear us. It really does matter how we're coming across to other people. Rudeness is a type of pride, that, that grouping that we've been looking at really closely. Uh, envy and arrogance and now uh, rudeness. It's a type of pride expressed through inconsiderate behavior. And that can really be expressed in three different ways. It can be expressed through language. It can be expressed in tone. It can be expressed non-verbally. Those are the three uh, uh, power outlets that we have when dealing with people. And that first one, language, is a, is, a, is a doozy, right? God created language with power. God himself created the universe with the word of his power, the Bible says. He called things into being that were not as though they were. He, he created with his words. And then he tells us in uh, places like, uh, I love Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. He, he speaks to the prophet Jeremiah. He touches him on his lips and he says, I am giving you the ability to speak words that will either lift people up, nations, or destroy them. Your words have the power to elevate or to tear down. Uh, Paul would tell us in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Our words are almost sacramental. They can give grace to build other people up or to tear them down. Language is extremely powerful. And we can see rudeness obviously come out of language in some of the the, excuse me, some of the more obvious ways like insults or retorts or defensive reactions, uh, th- uh, some of the things that we say to tear other people down, uh, getting snappy. But it's not just language. There's other ways that we can be rude without using language. And this is for those of us that think if we have language down, that's enough. Well, I'm speaking the truth. I'm saying what needs to be said. I'm speaking rightly. Um, There are two other words that are common that can also either elevate people or tear them down. One is tone. Tone matters. Anybody experience the wrong side of somebody's tone? This can be anything from like a charged emotional voice. They might be saying the right things like, I would really like you to come over on time tomorrow unlike the other day when you were not on time, you know? Like, we can, we can speak in our tone in a way that words uh, 
are, are inactive. We can use, that's a, a charged emotional voice. We can use sarcasm. It doesn't have to be charged. We can use jabs and cutting remarks, uh, passive-aggressive uh, uh, jabs at people, for example. And then there's also nonverbal side of communication, nonverbal ways that we can be rude. Uh, things like the silent treatment. I'm not going to list all of them. You can, uh, just enough to hopefully jog your memory. Silent treatment. Why are you laughing at me? We can roll our eyes. We can do all sorts of stuff. We got bags of tricks, right? Okay, none of you do. I have bags of tricks. As a minister, I've gotten real good at saying the right things and using other ways of jabbing people. God is healing me. I roll. Language, tone, nonverbal. These are all things that we should include under the umbrella of what Paul is talking about when he says to be rude. These are all ways that we can elevate or tear down nations, people, families, churches. Rudeness. Interesting, these, uh, uh, interestingly, these latter two, tone and nonverbal, are often missing, I've noticed in my own experience, in things like text messaging, email, social media, and anything that is typed. Uh, I remember years ago, I, I like to just get to the point when I write emails to people. I don't like to like fidget around and waste time writing flourishing uh, happy words. So I just get right to the point. And sometimes I'll ask for stuff and it'll come across harshly. And I was getting called on that a couple of years ago. Like, hey, it's, you kind of sound angry. Are you angry? Is everything okay? No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. <laughs> Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? I'm not angry. <laughs> And so I just started, at a certain point, I was like, okay, maybe I should fix this. Maybe I should really take uh, uh, inventory of how I'm communicating to people that I, I profess to love. And so I would try really hard to, like, put exclamation points in what I'm writing. Like, okay, maybe if I sound excited, like, exclamation point, two exclamation points, and then emoticons came in on the scene. I was like, all right. And so I'd start adding emoticons, a smiley face, uh, the, the, like the ugly cry, like the, the glasses clinking, the, the fiesta girl that's, like, doing this, and, like, anything that was happy, like a visual expression of happiness, I would put in my email so that I could get to the point everybody knows I'm not mad at them and I'm not being rude, certainly not. And it got so out of hand that I realized like most of my email has like pictures in it. It's like a picture book that I would read to my daughter, you know? I'm like, this is taking more work than it would be to like craft a careful sentence. And I realized how incredible is it that God gave us the gift of communication, which is really an attribute of God, a part of him that is so powerful, a glance from your face in the right direction can do more than an email with like a thousand emoticons. I'm having to craft all of this stuff that could just easily be dealt with if I just met that person and like smiled, right? And they would know from the way I'm, I'm, I'm engaging them, like, hey, I'm for you. I just want to talk about this difficult thing. And so personally, I have steered away uh, from using those mediums to uh, engage in conflict, uh, to correct, to offer feedback. Uh, but when I have to, just you'll know, just many emoticons, just so many smiles. But 
Some of you are listening to this, you're rolling your eyes at me right now. You're communicating tone and nonverbal cues to tell me this is ridiculous. Shouldn't we be talking, you know, about saving the lost and, you know, helping the poor and like all of that stuff? Why are we talking about rudeness? This is silly. This doesn't seem very important in the scheme of things. But according to God, if we're going to listen to his word, rudeness in all of its forms is the antithesis of who he is, right? It's the antithesis of who he is. It's against who he is. According to verse one through three, even if, even if you have everything else together, things that the world values, even if you have a high-paying job, life-giving career, you're active and busy, uh, maybe even in ministry, maybe even in local ministry, you're generous, you give away all of your time and all of your resources and money uh, to the least of these, but you still have a problem dealing with people, you're missing the entire point of living. That's what verse one through three says. If you don't have love, nothing else counts. Nothing else matters. It's all about love. It's all for love. This is the one thing all of us in this room should be desiring and longing for. Rudeness isn't just uh, a sign that we're missing the point. It may also be a symptom of something deeper inside of us, a deeper disconnect uh, between us and God. Rudeness can be, if we listen to it, just like we are in the practice of listening to our emotions, uh, it can be a siren telling you that something is wrong with you, something is wrong inside you, that you are not healthy, that something needs to be addressed. The Apostle John uh, wrote in one of his letters, we know that we have passed out of death into life. This is very sobering to me. We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, if you want to give love fangs, instead of leaving it as this ambiguous, uh, untouchable, intangible thing, Add some of the descriptions Paul attaches himself to love. Love is not rude. Love is, does, uh, love is not inconsiderate towards people. And put that in, in what John is saying. We know we have passed out of death into life because we have learned to be considerate towards other people. We're not rude anymore. And then you start to see how incredibly powerful and serious and difficult the love chapter actually is. When we're told to love, it actually has some fangs. That's also why there are Christians who've been professing Christ for 20 years, 30 years, and still handle relationships like a five-year-old child. That's why there are people who've been attending church in a building their entire lives and are still a jerk under pressure at work. That's why there's a disconnect between our heart and our mind. That's why people act a certain way behind closed doors and another way when they show up on Sunday. That's why. It's because they're not actually growing. We're not actually growing in the thing that matters the most. It means we are spiritually and emotionally immature. But the good news of the gospel is a little confrontative confrontative, confronting. God's way of life disrupts what's normal and often accessible to you and me and to the world. It's okay to do this in the corporate world. It's okay to do this 
out there where the bottom line matters, but God's kingdom and his way of life has a way of disrupting what's normal and shows us what's actually good. And the good news for you and I is twofold. One is God is gracious to rude people. Thank you, Jesus. God is gracious to people that steamroll other people. In fact, God himself was on the receiving end of people's uh, improper behavior. I love this picture in Isaiah 53, speaking thousands of years before Jesus, prophesying of the Messiah who would come and die on the cross for our sins. And it says, he would be despised and rejected by men. How rude. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Now, if I were oppressed and afflicted, that is far beyond being rude, I would have the tendency to react and to snap back. Look at Jesus' reaction. This is beautiful. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Our culture teaches us every day to fight, to snap back, to defend yourself. Jesus is on, on the way to his death. He gives his life for people, doesn't even complain. In Christ, God does not treat us how our sins deserve. We have been far more than just rude to God and other people. We have been rebellious. We have been destructive. Rudeness is just a small facet of how deeply we can hurt people around us, and yet God doesn't treat us according to what our sins rightly deserve in Christ. God isn't just gracious towards mean, rude people, snappy people, inconsiderate people. He also transforms them. He doesn't leave them rude. He doesn't leave them with rough edges. He doesn't leave them inconsiderate and selfish and prideful. In fact, in that same passage in Isaiah 53, it says in verse five, the reason he died, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that would eventually bring us peace, and with his wounds, we are healed. It was Jesus' death on the cross that brought the power to heal selfish people from what eats them alive on the inside and eats everybody else around them as well. Jesus brought healing when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. He opened up an ability to live differently for you and I, an ability to live that is not of this earth. It is of the kingdom and of heaven. In Christ, God accepts us how we are, but he does not leave us the way that we are. You can come to him however you are, but know this, he's gonna change you. If you stick around long enough, God changes broken, messed up people, and he's the best at it. Part of joining in that that transforming healing activity is is to begin acknowledging the small things. Acknowledging and growing in our relationship uh, between our heart and our actions. We, We spoke at length in the Messy Church series about emotional health. Well, this is now relational health. The two are, com- are, are interconnected. And you can often spot holes in your interior life by looking at the way that you react in your exterior life. I, I, I've learned to know 
and to identify that something is wrong inside me when I snap at somebody in my family. When I say something, you know, to Abby or Jude or to my wife, like, look at them. They're the sweetest people in the, on the whole planet. Why would I ever snap at them? Exactly. It's usually not their fault. It's something that I'm dealing with that's coming to the surface. Have you ever noticed, wow, why did I get so worked up over that? The person wouldn't let me in on the, you know, uh, on that lane on the highway, and I just got so angry. Why? It's not that big of a deal. Or do you ever get in an argument with someone that you love, and after like uh, hours of fighting, you're like, what were we talking about? (laughs) Why did we get into this situation? Like, it wasn't even a big deal. There are sometimes, and maybe even often, deeper issues at the bottom that things like rudeness are a symptom of. Here's something we could practice. If rudeness is a symptom of a lack of love, then test this under stress. I say that because anybody can be nice when things are going great. When stress hits the fan. And you start to react. You know, if you're in Christ, remember that you're forgiven. God loves you, even when you're rude. But this is a learning opportunity, right? And so instead of wallowing in guilt, which is, doesn't belong to you anymore, because you're in Christ, start to interrogate some of the reactions that you've had. Uh, start to ask, why was I just so rude and snappy right there? Uh, why am I trying to avoid that one person? Whenever they're in the room, I like walk the other way. Why am I doing that? Uh, why, am I, why was I so defensive in that, that one conversation yesterday? Why did I have a sarcastic reaction to that? Why was I rude right there? And you're doing what King David did that I love so much in Psalm 42 when he begins to ask his own soul why he's feeling a certain way. Why are you so depressed? Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why is there turmoil within you? This is more than just a rhetorical question. He's, he's allowing the spirit of God to go deep within him to pull out what's rooted in there. And it could be selfishness. It could be just an emotional reaction. It could even be that you're simply unaware that you do certain things that you do. But you may find that by pushing through that wall on the surface of inconsiderate behaviors that just kind of flare up sometimes, by the power of the Spirit, he might reveal to you some deeper causes that he wants to heal. And God is our healer. He doesn't just want to make you not rude. He wants to make you full of the love of the kingdom of God. Symptoms are really good at showing us those areas of depth that he really wants to encounter and visit. And you never know. You might be rude and snappy in one situation as you spend time in the presence of God interrogating your own soul with him. You might uncover some deep stuff. Maybe it's grief and loss that you've not dealt with in your life. Uh, Maybe it's a lot of distress, anxiety that you're dealing with, maybe at work or family, uh, that you've just been suppressing and it's coming through the way that you You leak out on other people. Maybe it's a a lack of margin or rest in your life. You're just spread thin. You're going crazy. And at the moment someone triggers it, you kind of lash out at them. Maybe it's uh, some unresolved thing in your family of origin. Maybe it's a way that your family normally acted together that wasn't healthy and you're carrying that. Maybe it's unresolved disappointment that you haven't really dealt with. And it just, these things come to the surface when people like poke. And it's not their fault, right? Usually. Sometimes it is. Sometimes. But a lot of times, they're just poking at a sore spot. And this is actually the blessing of God. 
He wants to, he wants to bring the sore spot to the surface so that he can heal it. Rudeness can actually, the symptom itself, even though it's bad, it can be a learning opportunity, a blessing from God to reveal something else is happening inside of us. Um, and we can begin to ponder what the symptom is. Uh, you might be, uh, you ever do this uh, as an example? Uh, whenever you feel like something in your body, like a stomach ache or a headache, uh, you might be like me and be completely indifferent. You're like, oh, my arm is falling off and bleeding, but it'll probably fix itself. Yeah, just got a lot to do right now. <laughs> or you might be like my wife, who's on the farthest end of that spectrum. She's like, okay, I need to like, ch- I'm going to the doctor, I'm making an appointment, stopping everything, getting online, you know. Uh, are you that type of person that's like, uh, you have a headache and you're like, okay, I'm going to look at the symptoms on the internet. And you show up at the doctor the next day because you made an appointment for your headache. And you're like, doctor, I know you've been going to school for 10 years, but listen, I just spent some time on WebMD last night. And I've narrowed it down to 97 possible causes for you. It could be either a common cold or terminal cancer. Uh, you're welcome, right? You're just paranoid. We're like that. And so anytime a kid has a headache, you should watch us interact. It is amazing. Uh, but I've started to learn, you know, uh, Brianna is usually right about things, especially uh, recently when I, th- I was getting really sick and I just wanted to ignore it. And she was like, you should really check that out. You should really check that out. And I did, and I'm glad I did. She might have saved my life uh, or my pride. One of those. There might be a balance we could bring where we're not paranoid, but we're not indifferent either. We pay attention to the symptoms in our lives, things like rudeness. Why do I react the way that I do with other people? Some years ago, um, I, before I was saved, I started going to church and this, this guy by the name of Rob took me under his wing and began to disciple me. And I remember uh, getting into this conflict with him in this room where I just did what I had grown accustomed to doing my whole life. Uh, Reacting in anger and insults and combative behavior because this was my way of protecting myself. I didn't like authority figures. I felt threatened by those sorts of things because of a, a long history with them. And so anytime someone would cross me or anytime I felt like my trust was about to be broken, I would break them first. And I would, I would lash out. I would be very rude. I would be very uh, angry. And I would push them away. And that was my way of protecting myself. And it worked every single time. Rob was the first person who reacted differently. I remember yelling at him, accusing him, calling him everything that I could. He was starting to uncover uh, weak spots in my life, blind spots. And he was addressing them like a friend. And I just began laying into him. It was in my early 20s, and he just sat there and listened. He didn't rise to my level of emotional reactivity. He didn't exchange blow for blow. He didn't fight fire with fire. He just looked at me. And he calmly and connectedly began to address some of the things in my life. And he he didn't shy away. He called out some of my blind spots, but he did it with the most calm ability, the most honoring uh, way possible. 
and yet in a very, uh, in a very truth-telling way. He never raised his voice. He never reached up to my level of reactivity. He didn't hurl insults, and he didn't avoid me or run off like most people before him did. He was calm and connected. He stayed with me. He addressed the things. And in that moment, something very strange happened to me. I was so stunned by this, this reaction, stunned by the way he was treating me. This is not like the par for the course. Usually people would react. They would get mad. I would get madder. We'd part ways, and that was my end goal. That was how I protected myself. But he stayed with me, and it was very unnerving. He stayed with me, and he was calm, very unnerving. I felt stunned by this. I felt like my equilibrium was starting to be shaken up a little bit, and I was a little vulnerable. I had for so long been trying to protect myself and push them away, and it didn't work this time, and this guy was still after me. I felt loved. I felt cared for. I felt like I was worth it. And I fell down in a heap and began bawling uncontrollably. And I didn't know why. I know why now. This guy was willing to answer my rudeness, my anger, and my toxicity with love. And it blew me away. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 tells us that a a gentle answer can turn away people's wrath. And when God tells us things that love is not rude, he's not just giving us a list of behavioral modifications, he's teaching us the power and the secrets of his kingdom. That you with a word, a tone, a nonverbal signal can completely calm somebody who's emotionally reactive is unbelievable. Rob was living like Jesus to me and it deeply impacted me. It convicted me of my own dirt and it would send me on a journey desiring for that kind of change in my own life. And this is more than just a set of rules, right? More than just behavior modification. This is Jesus wanting to create a new society of men and women and children. And he is right now in the process of trimming even the smallest edges that do not reflect his heavenly character. And to be made like him every day. And could you imagine the testimony of that? If there were Robs in Santa Barbara reacting and engaging so calm and connectedly the way that he did with people who are so emotionally and spiritually reactive. Could you imagine the effect we would have on, town, on this town if there were people like Rob in Santa Barbara pouring out love to people who are tired and oppressed and saddened and troubled and angry? We can start by allowing him to work in our own junk. I'm going to ask Brian and Nikki to come up as we transition into to singing and to worship through song. And as we do, just ask yourself this question. With the hope of allowing the Lord to work in you in some of these blind spots and areas, ask yourself this. Was there a time this past week when you may have been reactive to someone, negatively reactive? This might be a, a very small thing, something we would ordinarily look over. Don't look over it. This is a learning opportunity. When was the last time this week where you reacted with someone that wasn't the best way? And once you think of that moment 
as we worship, allow the Holy Spirit to flood into your heart this morning and to reveal the why to you in prayer and begin the healing process by which he can pour the love of the Father abroad into your heart as he promised to do. I see a future in Santa Barbara where hundreds of followers of Jesus naturally and easily exemplify love by reaction whenever they're encountered, triggered, poked, or pushed. I see a future in this town where people outside of the church building are being confronted with something they perhaps have never seen before in their lives. Real, supernatural, kingdom-oriented love. And it changes people's lives. May it change ours first. God, have your way. Please. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.